welcome to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolcott. And welcome in, folks, to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 1. I'm your host, as I will be all season long, Seth Woolcock. You can follow me on Twitter, at Swole15. That's S-W-O-O-L-1-5. Today on the show, we're going to be talking starts and sits for the 2019 Fantasy Football regular season. As well, I'm going to bring in some old friends, Chris Hayes, Tom Kuda. We're going to be talking about some values and some deep sleepers for the fantasy football season. Draft day is right around the corner, so now's the time to be prepping. Uh, before we get to that, though, and before we get to everything else we have planned for today, uh, we got some housekeeping items on the agenda. So I would like to start out the show by thanking our sponsors. Pizza. Whether it's draft day, game day, or any day of the week, Tom's Pizza on South 7th Street in Indiana has got you covered to get you through the fantasy football regular season. They have hoagies, pizza, pita, salads, and so much more. Check them out today. Again, that's Tom's Pizza on South 7th Street in Indiana. I'd also like to take this time to thank the man who creates all the music for us here at the in-between. That's Nate Miller, a.k.a. his artist name is Ism. You can follow Nate and his music on Instagram at CrazyNates. That's spelled C-R-A-Z-Y-N-8-S. Again, that's CrazyNates on Instagram at C-R-A-Z-Y-N-8-S. Uh, Nate's got a new song out with his band, Lift the Stigma, The Other Side. Check it out. It's going to be a hit someday soon. Uh, That's on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your music. Also, keep an eye out for uh, another group that Nate is involved in, uh, Sam Wilder. Uh, His EP, Homebound, is about to drop, so definitely check that out as well. Thank you for the music, Nate, and yeah, let's jump into it. How about it? We are back in here. We're back in the studio for the fall semester. The semester's upon us. The fall is here. It's getting cool at night now. I can feel it when I go to bed. I can feel it when I wake up. Football season is here. I'm pumped up. Uh, yeah, so let's jump on into today, today's show. Uh, so for those of you who do not know me, my name is Seth Woolcock. Uh, I'm a senior here at IUP. I'm a journalism major. I mean, the outgoing editor-in-chief of the pen here at thepen.org, of course, as always. And yeah, I'm excited to talk some fantasy football. I've been talking fantasy football for a couple years now. I've been super into it since I was a kid. And uh, last season, if you joined me at all, you might remember me from Bottom Line Fantasy. Uh, Most of my buddies graduated there. They moved on to bigger and better things, hopefully. So... I'm going to try to do the Darius Rucker impression after Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, as always, maybe not as good as Hootie and the Blowfish is, but hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be riding out this season with you. So to fully understand what this show is, what the in-between is, and who I am, you have to understand a little bit about myself, about my background. So it all kind of started uh, 1998 was when I was born. I'm 21 years old. I was born in Kane, PA. Uh, it's a small, very small rural town up in western PA there. 
uh, Kinzu Bridge, if you ever heard of that, that's the area I'm talking about. Very obscure, very obsolete, if you would. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I moved to Kerwinsville, PA, down a little south in Clearfield County there. Uh, after high school, I knew I wanted to pursue journalism. So, yeah, I uh, packed my stuff, headed to IUP, and been here ever since. I've had a great run at IUP, you know, met some amazing people, had amazing opportunities, amazing memories. Uh, been with a pen since the moment I walked into IUP roughly about three years ago. So it's been a fun journey, and this is my last season, at least recording for the pen. Definitely want to keep pursuing this. Hopefully one day build a career out of fantasy football writing and podcasting. Yeah, so everything you're about to uh, hear is straight from my fantasy football column I put out every week at thepen.org. It is called Start, Sit, and Seth. Uh, basically how I run these columns is I start out with you know about 500 to 1,000 word antidote, something from my life, something relevant. Uh, it's a technique I first came across in Matthew Berry ESPN Love Hate column. If you haven't seen Matthew Berry's Love Hate column, definitely check it out. Got a lot of love for it. Uh, always a great inspiration, and that's kind of why I did this. Uh, I feel like I have these stories to tell, and you know, while some journalists don't see it ethically to put yourself in the story, I feel like in this circumstance, you know, this column writing format, it makes it better. Uh, so yeah, basically, you know, I give this antidote about my life, something relevant to the readers. And then I do my starts and sits for the week. This particular column was based off the whole regular season as a whole rather than, you know, week one. Uh, that will be coming later next week. Check that out as well as always at thepen.org. Start, sit, and set. So this particular column, uh, I talk about how uh, this brand I've made, the in-between, how it came about, and why I think it's so relatable to other people I know. Uh, so basically, I think you know whether we as humans like to admit it or not, we're often in pursuit of something, a destination, an object, an end game. Uh, so basically, we're all in between something. You know whether it's getting that degree, you know on on graduation day, or it's standing at the altar with your significant other. Uh, you know, walking into that dream job. There's so many things we're in between uh, every every day. You know, we're in between different different scenarios, different things we have to go to meetings, classes. I mean, life is just a phase of in between. Basically, I feel like more than ever, I'm in this you know in between phase. I'm 21. Uh, I'm gonna be graduating college here in just a couple of months. And I have no idea what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. I'm sure a lot of people felt like this at one time, so I'm sure I'm not alone in this. But, you know, I grew up as a small town, rural western PA kid that I'm not anymore. I can't go back to that. That's not me anymore, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I'm not this kid who's going to sell his values, you know, and himself and what I enjoy personally uh, to chase some of those dreams that I, I've wanted to chase my whole life. But even more than that, I feel like I'm in, I'm an in-between person. Uh, I'm not stay up all night, you know, get five hours of sleep because I'm working so hard kind of guy. But I'm also that guy who can have fun on the weekends with his friends. I know when, you know, when to cross the line, when not to cross the line. But regardless of everything, guys, 
I'm in between. You know, I'm in between something in my life. I'm in between personality. And that's why, you know, you're listening to the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. And chances are, if you're still listening to me through this rant before we get to fantasy football, there's a chance maybe you're in between two. So with that said, I would like to throw out some starts and sits I have for the year. Let's start at quarterback. He's a bad man. Woo! This brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something. So, a quarterback I would start this season, meaning they would be on my draft list per their ADP. ADP is average draft position. We're going off ESPN uh, format numbers here in a PPR draft. So, again, most of this stuff, most of this content is going to be relevant for PPR or points per reception redraft leagues. If that's not the type of format you play in, if you're a standard guy still, hey, all the respect in the world, but this is a PPR podcast, so I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, so quarterbacks start. I would love to start this season that I want on my board. Give me some Ben Roethlisberger. Give me the Pittsburgh guy right now. It's gotta help me. Out. So Big Ben is actually coming off a season where he was QB number three on the year. They had to throw a ton last year. Their defense was not where it was. They didn't have a lot of confidence in Jalen Samuels and James Conner at the beginning of the season. So they were throwing. They were gunning. Uh, yeah, so when I, I took a trip down to Latrobe this season, St. Vincent College, that is where the Steelers have their training camp. And honestly, man, Ben looked awesome. I had never seen him so engaged with the team before. It always seemed like he was kind of doing his own thing with Fitchner and you know the OC and everything that but no man he was out there having a blast uh pre pre-camp he was out there him and Marquise Pouncey were bombing bombing uh passes at the goalpost it was awesome Pouncey definitely outplayed him though so that might be a little concerning but I think now without you know without Le'Veon Bell without Antonio Brown shedding some of that locker room chemistry blockage I think they're ready to roll. They seem so motivated. They seem so focused after what happened last season. Being in, in the media headlines every single week, I think there's a big year for Big Ben coming. And you know He's going QB 13 right now. And for a guy who could be a top five QB, taking him you know late in the 10th, 12th round, give me Big Ben all day, baby. Give me Big Ben all day. Another person kind of in that range as well I'd like to talk about is Kyler Murray. The first overall pick, rookie quarterback out of Oklahoma. He is playing for the Arizona Cardinals this year. And I get it. I get it. I totally get it. Kyler Murray has not been great this preseason so far. You have not seen what you wanted from him, from Cliff Kingsbury, the rookie head coach, and the system, really. It just hasn't been there. But I would like to say, you know, preseason, it doesn't mean everything. You know, we don't have DJ out there, David Johnson on every play. Uh, Larry Fitz isn't going to be out there. I think the Cardinals are going to be better than people think. Don't get get me wrong. I don't think they're going to go out and make the playoffs, especially in a difficult NFC and probably one of the toughest divisions in the league. But I think they're going to be relevant. I think Kyler Murray's a special kid. I, you know, I know everyone hated on him, and even myself, I, I didn't know if I totally bought in on him in the draft. But this guy's going at 117 ADP right now. That's QB 15. Yeah, maybe there are some people who are going to reach on him. So if they do, I'm not too sad because there's people like Big Ben, Jared Goff in that range, Lamar Jackson that I'd be super happy to get as well for a starter. But 
dude, Kyler Murray can have some value, man. I mean, every year, how many times have we seen RG3, Cam Newton, people lighting it up their rookie year? And this guy, he's not, you know, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Seth, Baker Mayfield last year was the number one overall pick, and he wasn't really fantasy relevant till the end of the season. Why would I draft Kyler Murray and hang on to him that long? Well, here's the difference, folks. Baker Mayfield, because Hugh Jackson, you know, knows something we all don't, started Tyrod Taylor for the first couple games. But after Freddie Kitchens came in, he's working with the ones. You know, Baker caught on pretty quick. Kyler Murray's been working with the ones all offseason. He's got he's got a lot of improved talent. So I think you gotta buy Kyler if you can get him at a value. I just took him in a couple leagues last night in a draft. Again, QB is one of those positions, unless I am I an opportunity where I'm stuck and no one is around me and I want Patrick Holmes, you know somewhere in the fourth or fifth round i'm waiting i'm waiting till the i'm waiting till later there's too many valuable picks out there to to spend a six seven eight even a ninth round pick on a quarterback i've done it it's lost me leagues again and again you got to get your value while you can at the top of the draft there so while we're also talking about quarterbacks here's a couple quarterbacks i hate unfortunately a couple quarterbacks i'd sit i'm just sitting out here Uh, let's start in Philadelphia. You know Carson Wentz, the Eagles. They're coming back to Lincoln Financial this this year with some with some talent. Like they might honestly be one of the most talented league or teams in this league. Uh, he's going, but he's going to ADP seventy seven, guys. That's to me, that's not worth the risk, really. If I mean he's being drafted somewhere expected to be QB five to ten, and you know we've seen that ceiling man he was qb5 in 13 games in 2017 mvp caliber player Wentz was a stud you got him late that year in 2017 and before it went down he was qb1 qb2 he was a stud but last season and again maybe there's some personal vendetta but i drafted Wentz pretty early thinking oh let's go let's go you know eagles are on the come up here we go he's back let's do this but i, I know he was hurt i know he had the back issue I know the Eagles weren't as good as they everyone thought last season, but I, it's not against Carson Wentz. I'll th- I think he'll be a fine quarterback. I think you know he could honestly finish anywhere from seven to twelve. But I'm not willing to risk that draft capital, that ADP of seventy-seven. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, Eagle fans out there listening. But I'm not, I'm not doing it. Not this year. Another one right in that range is also Drew Brees out of New Orleans. Uh, you know, again, it's this is just the nature of the depth at the QB position. Uh, Drew Brees falls in this category with Carson Wentz because of that. Uh, and yeah, Drew Brees has been a top 10 quarterback in the last seven years. And don't get me wrong, that's awesome. He was QB1 going all the way back to 2012. But there are so many lowly drafted quarterbacks that could finish in the top five. Who you're asking? RG3, QB4 in 2012. Andy Dalton, the red fucking rifle, QB5 in 2013. Blake on the bench, Bortles, was QB4 in 2015. And Alex Smith was QB4 in 2017. They're all in this category. They were picked up. They were drafted late. That's what I'm after here. I'm after some QB value. Jared Goff last year, I took him with the last pick in my draft. And that guy was a stud. That guy was a stud. That's what you need here, folks. I hate to say quarterbacks don't matter in fantasy, but unless you are in 
you know, a super flex league, a two QB league. You got to wait on these QBs. So uh, let's jump into some running backs here as well that I would start this season. I used to play running back. So I want to start out with a player I was going to talk about and I was going to sell you really hard. Marlon Mack running back for the Indianapolis Colts. <sighs> Yeah, so uh, you probably all know the news by now. Andrew Luck, franchise quarterback, drafted number one overall in 2012. He's retired. Andrew Luck has retired at age 29. Uh, this is kind of a bit of a surprise coming out of the Colts organization here. They really kept it under wraps. You know, no one really knew about this. I was watching Fox Sports 1 earlier today. Jay Glazer had a little intel that something was wrong, but... Man, that's I, I was shocked. I'll never forget where I was, how I reacted when I saw that. That's probably one of the craziest sports stories I've seen and oh my god, probably my life. Probably my life. And Marlon Mack was oh, he was in for a heavy workload. I still think he is, don't get me wrong. I but I honestly thought Marlon Mack with Andrew Luck under center, the Colts were one of my Super Bowl picks. I thought they could go the distance. They have such an improved offensive lineup. Over the last couple of years, their defense is continuing to get better. Uh, Andrew Luck looked awesome last year. They got some new weapons. Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, maybe helped you know draw draw people out of that box for Marlon Mack. But now, now they got Andrew Luck. He's gone. Andrew Luck is gone. Take him off your draft board. You definitely got to lower Marlon Mack. Honestly, before I saw him as a high end RB two with RB one potential upside. Now he's more of an RB two, RB three flex consideration but I still think there's value there folks they've been talking up Jacoby Brissett all offseason and I don't know if this is something you know Colts just PR PRing it but I've heard from multiple experts that Jacoby Brissett's one of the best backups in the league and that the Colts should be feel lucky that New England traded him to them a couple years ago uh you know we know Jacoby Brissett we know what he does we know what he doesn't do and I don't want to, I can't just look off those two 2017 numbers. Uh, yeah, T.Y. Hilton's numbers were down compared to last year. Uh, Frank, Frank Gore was a beast on the ground, though. That was Marlon Mack's rookie season as well. But Jacoby Brissett, that was his first year in the system, freshly traded. And you also kind of have to think the Colts have gotten a lot, lot more talented on the roster, offensive line, all the way through. I think this is a different year. I think Jacoby Brissett, if we can't, are coming out here in week 9, week 10, you're be like, hey man, Jacoby Brissett is lighting it up. The Colts have a winning record. I believe you. I believe you. I think I think Jacoby Brissett is not a bad quarterback. But if you also told me, yeah, Seth, it's week 8. Colts aren't doing good. The fantasy assets are not doing great. Uh, losing record. I believe you. I believe it too, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Jacoby Brissett and Marlon Mack, you know, take a step forward here. So definitely keep an eye out for Marlon Mack. He's some value later in the draft. Uh, we'll probably talk about that later in today's show. Uh, but I'd also like to talk about another running back that I would certainly start this season based on their ADP, and that's Philip Lindsay, guys. His first season after being an undrafted walk-on for the hometown team, Lindsay toted over a thousand rushing yards on just 192 carries. He ha he averaged almost the top yards per carry in the league at 
Uh, he was kind of the waiver wire steal of the year. Most people did not draft him, so he was looking good. And I hear the concerns out there. You know, Royce Freeman is in. Uh, they have talked about going to more of a committee in Denver there. But I think that might not be a bad thing for Lindsey. Uh, kind of at the end of the year there, he actually fell off. Uh, his yards per carry definitely dipped quite a bit. And maybe that was because he was a little tired, honestly. I, I don't think, I think if you can mix Royce Freeman into a positive, you know, a positive change of pace back and, you know, they added some more run protection. They got Noah Fant, the tight end out of uh, Iowa there in the first round. They added Dalton Risner, uh, the offensive tackle there. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be better than people think. Uh, Joe Flacco has a little something to prove, I think, uh, moving from Baltimore to there after being outed uh, by Lamar Jackson in that gang. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think Denver is going to have a similar play, similar mindset to what Seattle did last year, trying to win on the ground and with their defense. You know, they have Chubb up front. They have uh, Vaughn Miller. They have some good defensive pieces here, and it's just another year for them to mature and, you know, kind of go into that. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Hopefully, I hope we get to see Drew Locke play at one point. I think that could even boost Lindsay's value a little more but yeah Denver is definitely one of those teams I'm getting some good vibes from and I think they could be you know they could be one of those teams that provide some good solid fancy assets later in the draft so I'm definitely all in on Lindsay at his current ADP uh, going at RB 28 definitely like that uh, so let's talk about some running backs I unfortunately do not like this season running backs I would sit I'm just sitting out here don't get me wrong here. I think Mark Ingram is still a good back. I think, you know, former Heisman Trophy winner, former Saint, he was a stud. He was a stud for a couple years in fantasy. Uh, you know, he helped Drew Brees, Sean Payton, that gang, you know, get to where they were these last couple seasons. Uh, but it, it's not Mark Ingram. It's it's the system, and it's kind of how we've seen this going back a couple years ago. Alex Collins was actually a guy I did not like going into last season, as well as Justin Forsett the year before. Because we've seen this, folks. We've seen these Ravens running backs all the way to Ray Rice. You know, you draft Ravens RB early, and they end up disappointing you. Someone emerges through the thick of it. You know, a Justin Forsett a couple years ago, Alex Collins. Last year was Gus Edwards. For me, this year, I like I like Justice Hill, the rookie. Uh, he's coming in from OK State, and he had, he had over 3,500 yards in just three seasons of action. You know, he's not known for being a huge pass catcher, but... When you look at him, when you look at his running style, just to the eye, you can see that he could develop into a good pass catcher. So give me some Justice Hill, especially in dynasty formats. I know we're normally a redraft uh, podcast here, but yeah, definitely give me some Justice Hill later in the draft, and I will wait on Mark Ingram. Definitely pass on that one. Another RB in that range I'm going to pass on is Kenyon Drake from Miami. Again, he was another guy last season I was down on. And the saddest thing is with Kenyon Drake is it's not the talent. I think Kenyon Drake has a lot of talent. I think it's more of the situation. Drake, he's still dealing with a nagging injury, and Kalen Balazs is nipping at his heels right now. It's just a fact. Uh, they, for some reason, don't want to turn over the keys to Drake in that backfield, and you know he's going in the ADP in the 50s. That's too high for me. I know he was um, top 15 RB last year, guys, but that's just... I, I, I don't know what to say. I think Kenyon Drake has some talent. I think he's a good back, but he's going to be playing on one of the, the worst teams in the league, and I just don't believe in Miami right now. They're even t- having talks of 
getting rid of one of their best offensive linemen for Jadavion Clowney, whose contract is expiring after this season. So I don't know what's going on in Miami. I will I will stay away from every Miami asset there is. Maybe I'll take Kalen Balaj late in some drafts, and maybe a dynasty pickup here and there with Josh Rosen. But other than that, I'm good on Miami. I'm good on Kenyon Drake. Sorry down there, folks. So let's get into some wide receivers I would start this season. I want to start here in Cincinnati. Uh, Tyler Boyd, the common excuse of why people don't want anything to do with Boyd this season is because he was not very productive last season once A.J. Green went down with the injury. But people need to, you know, you can't just look at those stats. You need to look a little closer. Jeff Driscoll is under center there, guys. Uh, I think that's a big issue. Now they got the red rifle back, and this could be maybe if we don't see what we want to see out of Andy Dalton in the next year or two. This could be it for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. He's had his time, but you know he's had a Marvis Lewis-led team uh, as long as I remember. Marvin Lewis has been there. And it was always kind of a comedic thing almost. You know, when are they going to get rid of him? When are they going to move on uh, from Marvin Lewis? So they bring in Zach Taylor. He's, you know, from the Sean McVay coaching tree. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what Boyd can do now. I think they're going to mix it up, you know. Last year he had 76 receptions, got over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. And I think Boyd, he reminds me of like an Adam Thielen type guy. And, you know, he's not going to, you know, have bombs every week and not gonna you know set the world on fire with his yardage but he's gonna catch a lot of passes he's gonna get some yards he's gonna catch a couple tds he's a good player that i think is undervalued right here so give me some tyler boyd late in drafts he's going around uh wide receiver 25 right now so i'm all in on tyler boyd at wide receiver 25 i think there's no way he finishes below that mark so staying here in the afc north uh I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am all in on the Browns wide receivers this season. Never been a big OBJ guy. Uh, never been a huge Juice Landry, Jarvis Landry guy either. But uh, you know, I think Baker Mayfield. Even though I doubted him when he was drafted when he was in college, more because of the attitude rather than how he played. But uh, he was great last season. I think he's the real deal. Baker Mayfield last season under Freddie Kitchens, those last eight games. When he threw the ball more than 15 yards downfield, he threw for over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, and had a healthy passer rating of 107.4. That's awesome. And I think you add OBJ, one of the best downfield threats, to an already stacked offense. Nick Chubb in the backfield. They're going to get Kareem Hunt back later. You got Jarvis on the outside. A couple guys, Rashad Higgins, uh, Antonio Callaway there. They're stacked right now. And... OBJ, I think, is honestly someone at the end of the season, if he stays healthy, you know, that's the biggest thing with me that worries me about OBJ is can he play 16 games? But I think if he can play 16 games, I think OBJ could be the number one wide receiver by the end of the season. And he's going at wide receiver five, uh, back end of the first round here. I'm all in on OBJ. Jarvis Landry, kind of the same thing. He's being drafted as wide receiver 32. But, you know, kind of towards the beginning of last season, people really wanted him. In all the leagues I had, People were trying to trade for Jarvis Landry early. Uh, didn't work out for him so well. Landry kind of fell off towards the back half of the season. But I think, you know, while OBJ wants his targets, is going to get his targets from Baker, I think it's going to open things up for Jarvis. I think he's going to be used more. Uh, last year, was kind of he was kind of the number one go-to option. Now I think they're going to be using him in some screens, some short 
you know, short yardage situations. I think Landry's a PPR monster. If you're playing in a standard league, uh, I'm definitely a little more down on uh, Jarvis Landry there. But PPR, I like Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 32 right now. Yeah, that's some value. I, I see no way he finishes outside the top 30 if he stays healthy. So rounding out here with some wide receivers, I would sit this season. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. Antonio Brown in Oakland. Oh. <sighs> so uh, most of you probably know by now, AB, he you know, left Pittsburgh, got tr- himself traded to Oakland. It's kind of what he wanted. Uh, this offseason already, he's threatened to retire over his helmet, show up to camp with some frostbitten feet. Uh, it's just not a good look for AB right now. Uh, you know, I had a lot of respect for being a Steelers fan and just being a fan of the game. You know, everyone knows how hard this guy works, but it, that's not the issue. It's it's what's going on upstairs up in the head there. Uh, my whole concern with the AB is, yeah, maybe you'll get six or eight really good games to start the season, but what happens around week eight if the Raiders aren't winning, if AB's not getting the targets he wants, Carr's not playing up to standards, what happens? Does AB just quit and walk away? Who knows? That that's a risk I'm not willing to take in most of my leagues. I think there are more serviceable wide receivers in that range. I'll take Juju, I'll take Keenan Allen over him. I'm I'm just it's too much. Too much and I'm sorry A B, but you're on the I'd sit you this year. You know, maybe if A B fell to me late in like a fourth round of a draft, I would I, I would snag him for sure. Maybe he will in my uh competitive keg league there. Because, you know, we are mostly Steeler fans there, but Still, I'm, I'm not taking A.B. unless I have to. Staying in the AFC North, wow, that's uh, we got a big theme here going. Uh, AFC North receivers, former AFC North receivers, but A.J. Green, I would sit A.J. Green this season. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think A.J. Green has it anymore. I think if there is a season where the torch is going to be passed in Cincinnati as a lead or as a lead pass catcher, I think it's going to be this season. Uh, AJ Green's in the last year of his contract. He's only played uh, 16 games in half of his eight seasons in the NFL. He's already dealing with an ankle issue. Tyler Boyd got a new contract. I just don't see it anymore for AJ Green. Yeah, maybe he'll come in, you know, week three, week four, catch a couple touchdowns. That's where I feel like AJ Green's value lies. Is more in that maybe a best ball, maybe a standard type league. I was actually offered AJ Green a couple weeks ago in my dynasty league him and amari cooper uh for tyler lockett will fuller and sammy Watkins. and while i really wanted amari cooper i just don't want aj green i don't see the value this season i think next year i would be much more higher on aj green if he's in a new situation which i think he's going to be uh i i think this is the it this is the end of the dominance for aj green in cincinnati at least just a couple tight ends i want to touch on real quick that i would draft Give me some Vance Dance McDonald. Uh, he's going somewhere around the 7th to 8th round in that area right there. Uh, there's a huge amount of targets gone in this offense now, the Steeler offense. Big Ben, he's got to you know, move on without life, without AB, without Jesse James. And I think Vance McDonald and Juju are going to be the top two targeted options in this offense for him. Uh, so definitely grab Vance McDonald late. I think if you're if you're struggling to find that tight end, all the top five, six have gone off the board. Even if Evan Ingram and Jared Cook are there, I would wait a little bit for Vance. I think he's that good. I think he has that much upside. We saw it a couple years ago when we was with the Niners too. Vance is a talented player, and I think now it's just starting to 
you know, show through and he's hitting his peak. So if there's a year I want Vance McDonald, it's, it's this year. I'm all in on Vance McDonald. He's got two souls now. Chris Cunty, he's down. So uh, thank you for that, Chris Cunty. And I'm all in on Vance. And one more tight end I want to throw out there to you real quick is Mark Andrews. If you are desperate for a tight end late, if you don't want to spend an early pick on one, or if you have one of those mid-pack guys, the Njokus, the Cooks, even the Vances, that you want to pair with someone who you think is going to be real solid, grab Mark Andrews, the second-year tight end out of Baltimore. I think Mark Andrews has the potential to lead the team in receptions right now. Lamar Jackson, all the beat reporters are, are reporting every single day that Mark Andrews is the best player on that offense. So I think he could be this year's George Kittle. I think people are starting to you know, pick up on that a little more. So you might have to pay up for him a little bit more than you did a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I love me some Mark Andrews. Uh, that's it for Start, Sit, and Seth today. Thank you. And uh, we're going to be right back on the show. We're going to talk about some deep sleepers with our boy Tom Kudum down in Florida. So stay with us, folks. I'd also like to thank Crimson Hawk Rentals. Crimson Hawk Rentals has pet-friendly apartments beginning for the fall 2020 semester. Call Crimson Hawk Rentals at 724-465-9040 today to reserve your spot with you and your pooch. And we're back on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. I'm joined by a good friend of the show who's going to be joining us throughout this season, all the way from Okala, Florida, Tom Kuda. How you doing, Tom? Good, good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom's been a good friend of mine for a couple of years. Uh, actually met his now wife, Allie, back at, back at the pen a couple of years ago, and we've been bros ever since, fantasy football nerds for life. How about it, Tom? <laughs> absolutely. So uh, today, Tom and I are going to be talking about some deep sleepers. These are some guys you can grab late in your draft. Uh, if Maybe if you're in a shallower redraft league, maybe even off waivers before week one starts. So, Tom, kick us off. Who you got first, man? Uh, so first, somebody on my radar, someone I actually took with the last pick of the draft I just did a couple days ago, Devin Singletary, the rookie running back for the uh, Buffalo Bills. He is sitting behind LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, but both of them are older and fairly injury prone um it's looking like you know he's on a pretty short time frame before he's going to be getting at least a decent amount of carries would be my guess i can't imagine they're going to get too far into the season and not use him if he's fresh and ready to go yeah devin singletary is definitely a guy i've had my eye on this whole off season they've been hyping him up for a while uh after that last game it seems like frank gore is He's got those Infinity Stones or something right now. Uh, he ripped off a huge touchdown run, so that was cool to watch. But, yeah, I think it's a matter of time with Devin Singletary. I know definitely in Dynasty Leagues, I would say he has a ton of value moving forward. I'm just – I'm a little worried that, you know, it might be week 8, week 10 until really they're giving him the rock. Are you concerned at all with that going forward in redraft leagues this season? Um, absolutely. I – I drafted him knowing full well that should, you know, any of those early season injuries where somebody else becomes more relevant, like, 
I am ready to dump him if they don't move on quickly. I just have a feeling, given the Bills, given LaShawn McCoy's injury history from last year, that Devin Singletary... I mean, look at... I know the Dolphins aren't going to use running backs the same way the Bills do, but last year, Frank Gore split time. So if either Gore or McCoy gets hurt, then Singletary's up for, you know, at least half of a two-headed beast, somewhere in there. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, he's going somewhere around the 170 ADP and ESPN PPR redraft league, so... Definitely a guy you can grab in one of those late rounds that could have some value. Maybe a potential league winner down the road. So, Tom, who do you have next here on your list you'd like to talk about? All right, so next I want to talk about a rookie wide receiver um, out of New England and Keel Harry from uh, graduated out of Arizona State University. He has been pretty good this off, this se- like offseason so far. Um I would anticipate that his role will grow as time goes on and as he gets trust in the Belichick system. Uh, I they, He's fits everything that the Patriots usually draft a wide receiver for. Like They definitely went into that room picking him with a role in mind for him in that offense. Now, of course, this is, you know, deep sleepers, so... He, again, might be somebody that you sit on the bench for the first couple weeks, but the hope is that he could be a flexible position by week three or week four if all goes well and he does what he needs to do. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a Calvin Ridley pick from last year, you know, a higher draft pick in the draft, of course, in the real NFL draft, and you might have to spend a little more capital than you might be comfortable right off the bat, maybe, you know, 11th, 12th round pick, depends on how high your league is on him, but, I mean, the Patriots, they're good, they're going to be winning games, they're going to be throwing a lot of touchdowns, we know that, we've seen that throughout the years, and now they're, they're, they lost Gronk, that's a huge hole. And, you know, there are some people, I believe in Matt LaCrosse a little bit. I'm not sure where you stand on that. And I think Julian Edelman gets a huge bump this season. But, again, there's health concerns with Julian Edelman and with the rest of that Patriots uh, wide receiver depth chart right there. Yeah, that's what I'm – another, you know, consideration for Harry is that he's young. I mean, Edelman absolutely takes a huge bump. But if anything happens to Edelman, I mean – you know, Josh Gordon looks like he might be coming off the suspension list, so he's sure to factor in. Um, you know, but there is definitely a world where I could see him being like the absolute rock solid wide receiver three. By yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into Josh Gordon as much as everyone else does, unfortunately. Just because I've seen this road before, we've seen this game played before. I'd. Uh, buddy on the podcast last season that was telling me Josh Gordon is going to be wide receiver one. I I just don't trust Gordon right now. And, I, yeah, I think Nikhil Harry's definitely a deep sleeper you should look out for. Who you got next, Tom? Uh, next up, uh, certainly a hometown pick for me. But if there's one thing the Steelers know how to do well, it's draft wide receivers. Um, and James Washington should absolutely be somebody that you pick up. He went undrafted in at least a couple drafts that I've done so far this year. Like, right now, he's sitting on the waivers in one of my leagues. Um, but I have every confidence that Dante Moncrief will blow the opportunity given to him and that James Washington will be the number two behind Juju before... I mean, I, I think it'll probably end up being that way, like, immediately. Like, J- James Washington has a lot of talent. The Steelers are very good at drafting and coaching wide receivers. And I 
really think that he's going to end up surprising some people and be a good wide receiver three, wide receiver two for most of the season. Yeah, definitely, definitely on board with that. Uh, what you said, Tom, everything was great there. Uh, I think Dante Moncrief has some value. Uh, definitely the beginning of the, the beginning of the season, I can see him catching some touchdowns. You know, Ben likes to go deep. He's a deep threat. But I think what we've seen out of James Washington this offseason, it's a little bit of a dilemma for sure. He has been the best receiver in camp in the preseason games, but the issue is he's playing with his former college quarterback most of those snaps, Mason Rudolph. So it will be really interesting to see if he can kind of you know edge Moncrief out for that number two position. But when I think he does... Uh, I think I think he's taking a lot of nice steps forward this offseason. There's no A-B to you know, kind of step on his toes at all. So, yeah, I think James Washington, he's going late. He's going really late. If you're a Juju owner or if you're just a Steelers fan or just someone looking for that wide receiver with some high upside, uh, I mean, let's face it, Tom, there's about 170 targets that are not accounted for going into this season for the Steelers. they got to fill them somehow. Yeah, and, you know, Juju's going to have his first season of full double cover every single game and lots of shadows by, you know, defenses and stuff. So it could really open up some space for Big Ben to have to force to another target. And I I really just think that given Dante Moncrief's past, it'll more than likely end up being James Washington. I love it. I love it, man. Let's go Lurs. Absolutely. I love the Steelers. I'm so hyped for this season. I'm glad that a lot of the drama is gone from the team and we can just play some good football. Yeah, speaking of the Steelers, I want to throw in one of my deep sleepers for you, Tom. Uh, What do you think about Jalen Samuels' second year running back uh, for the Steelers? What do you think about him maybe as a deep sleeper consideration? I I love Jalen Samuels. Like, if you're going to draft James Conner, you have to draft Jalen Samuels. Like, you need that handcuff. I think toward the back end of the season, James Conner was starting to, I don't want to say he was dropping off, but his production leveled out. Like he came back to the averages for, you know, where he should have been instead of that, you know, astronomical season he was having. Um, So you definitely need to have the handcuff because if they keep doing the, you know, bell cow to James Conner, he's a perfect handcuff. I personally think that Mike Tomlin will get creative and I think he'll start to shift into the running back by committee because he doesn't want to blow James Conner out and like get him hurt and I think that if that happens Jalen Samuels could become very easily a flexible running back oh yeah yeah on a week-to-week basis uh so I actually was I had the pleasure of going down to Latrobe this summer uh watching a couple preseason camps and they were using Jalen Samuels kind of almost in a similar role to how the Bears used Tariq Cohen and uh, the Patriots used James White. He was on the field. He was lined up in the slot. He was actually lined up next to the O-line in a tight end position at one point as well. They liked him on the goal line. He's a big guy. Uh, You know, this might be a hot take for some of our listeners out there, Tom, but I honestly think that Jalen Samuels, James Conner could be kind of that one-two punch that we saw from the Saints two years ago with Kamara and Ingram, maybe to a lesser extent for both of them, but I think they can both be startable assets moving forward. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I think that so possibly to, you know, the chagrin of fantasy owners, it seems that a lot of teams in effort to keep their running backs healthier for longer are switching to that one-two punch system 
where it's, you know, uh, thunder and lightning, but both of them stay a little healthier because they don't have to fully do one or both things at the same time. And I think that the Steelers will probably end up going that road. And if they do, Jalen Samuels will certainly be able to carry his weight from what we've seen of him so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Even a quote from Coach Tortorella up here at IUP last season while I was interviewing him, he said, you know, when you're going into the fourth quarter, if you have, you know, one running back who's taken all the snaps and, you know, he's going to be tired by that fourth quarter. But if you have two or even three that have, you know, taken some of those snaps and you got two or three that are ready to go in that fourth quarter, that's kind of what you need. I think that's that's kind of what I want to see from the Steelers. We've seen this road before. We've seen Le'Veon Bell by December banged up out for the season James Conner you know he has an injury history we know that we need to protect him and I think Jalen Samuels is the perfect perfect counterpoint for that agreed who else you got for us Tom um next up tight end um Mark Andrews from the Ravens I think he has built a very very good rapport with Lamar Jackson uh, this being Lamar Jackson's first full season, I think there's going to come a lot of those, you know, those oh crap moments where plays break down that he didn't think were going to. He's going to run into still a lot of those, you know, he may have played a playoff game, but he's still going to have some of those oh crap moments that younger quarterbacks just have to go through, which means he's going to be looking Mark Andrews' way a lot, especially with the rapport the two of them have together. Um, Mark Andrews isn't getting drafted in the place of somebody who would be like a core receiving option right now. I think he could be. And I think that, you know, if he slips down far enough, you could spend some of your earlier round picks getting depth at the running back position and then just scoop Mark Andrews up toward the back end and call, you know, have a good solid team when the day is done. Yeah, we actually talked a little bit about Mark Andrews on this podcast earlier. In fact, he was one of my uh, starts for the season, meaning I would draft him where his ADP is. This guy could honestly be one of those tight ends who leads their teams in receptions. Like, Let's be honest, Baltimore does not have much outside of Mark Andrews as far as on the outside uh, right now. You know, They got some young receivers. Willie Sneed does not really intrigue me. Uh, I think Mark Andrews has potential, and you know this could be a little hype, and I've heard it, you know, from a lot of different podcasters. But he has the potential to be this year's George Kittle, I think. And at the ADP he's going, I'm all in on Mark Andrews. Great, great pick there. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks. Next up is uh, Geronimo Allison um, from Green Bay. Uh, I think, given the success that Devontae Adams had last year. I mean, he's a great wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely going to be, you know, way, way up there this year. But there's still a lot of space, and Aaron Rodgers, all great franchise QBs, genuinely like to spread the ball around, keep things fresh, keep the game moving. And I think that Geronimo Allison is very likely to be the number two option on that team. Now, of course, you know, 100 and, you know, whatever, 100 20 targets are going to go Devontae Adams' way. But a lot of the rest of them, you know, Aaron Jones isn't much of a receiving running back. So they're probably going to try to keep him on the ground. And that would leave, I would assume, the second bulk of the targets to go to Geronimo Allison. And he's done great with what he's gotten opportunity-wise so far. The coaches seem to like him. He does really well in practice. And I just think that for, you know, a later sleeper, 
a lot of times my gen my draft strategy is usually pick heavy on running backs in the front because they're you know there's a lot bigger of a cliff in skill levels right and then you know on the back end you can go pick up somebody like Geronimo Allison where you could end up with somebody who's a perfectly serviceable wide receiver too for the bulk of the season at you know half the price you'd normally pay for a wide receiver too by name recognition absolutely yeah I I think that Green Bay uh, wide receiver core is interesting uh Geronimo will be in the slot. That's what we're hearing out of Green Bay's camp. Uh, MVS, he'll be on the other end of Devontae Adams, uh, lining up probably on the left most of the time. So uh, are you worried that MVS is, you know, he has a chance to kind of steal some of those targets? Or are you committed to Aaron Rodgers' slot guy, whoever that's been for the last couple years, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, uh, going back to Randall Cobb even? Yeah, I there is some you know, need to worry because MVS, I mean, by all rights should, um, as long as he, you know, advances well and learns the game and practices well, he should eventually be the number two option on that team. I just don't think he's there yet. I think from some of like his camp talks and some of the way the coaches are, he's just not quite fully developed yet. So I think this season will end up, you know, Aaron Rodgers staying comfortable in the slot, especially given last year how frustrated Aaron Rodgers was with people who are screwing up in practices and, um, you know, people who weren't where he needed them to be when he needed them to be there, given the tight windows he likes to throw into. I think that he's just going to find the, you know, he's going to have a good appreciation for the little bit more veteran of Geronimo Allison, even if it's not by a ton. I just think that's where he's going to go. I think he'll stay where he's comfortable and throw to the slot a pretty good amount. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, kind of late here in the draft, also one of the things like because MVS is going right around the same area that Geronimo is, kind of similar to uh, our guys in Pittsburgh there as well. So for me, splitting hairs there, I go with the one who has less injury history. That's just me. That's how I'm going to play it. Uh, I know Geronimo got hurt last year and NVS didn't. NVS was kind of there throughout the season, so I'm going with NVS there, but I do I do think you make some very strong points for Geronimo as well. Yeah, I'm not, and honestly, you know, I don't think that's a wrong decision. Usually trying to avoid injury history is not a bad idea, and, I mean, if you're picking somebody Aaron Rodgers is throwing to, kind of hard to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would definitely take him back in our Dynasty League right about now from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I own NVS now in the Dynasty League, so... I'm certainly not uh, going to sit here and say that he's not going to be good someday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was definitely a uh, definitely a sneaky piece I kind of threw in there. I think that was with that Nick Chubb trade I got from you, which was, in my honest opinion, a steal. But yeah, I was gonna say I know I don't think when we made that trade, nobody knew quite what was going to happen with Nick Chubb. <laughs> I was I've been all in on Nick Chubb since the Georgia days, man. So I was. Oh. He's I was great. happy to get that from him, but now I'm left a little bit short in wide receiver, so we'll see what happens there. Well, and as we've seen through the history of the NFL, having a better wide receiver is, or I mean a better running back is better than, you know, having a little bit of wide receiver trouble. Absolutely, absolutely. You got anyone else there for us, Tom? Um, I think, I mean, I'm going, I'm going to dig real, real deep here for a minute. Um, Brian Hill from the... Falcons. He's a rookie running back. Now, technically, by the depth chart, he is below 
Ito Smith. He is not the backup for Devonta Freeman. Like, he's below him. But recently, he has started to really show up in preseason games and in camp. And there's actually talk of him getting put, like, if Devonta Freeman were to be injured, Ito Smith would not take on the full-time role. He would stay where he is, and they would bring Brian Hill up to take on the full-time role and give him... There's even talks of him getting some of the goal line work instead of Devonta or Ito, since he's so big and fast. Mm-hmm. So... I think that if you have, you know, in a league with a little bit of a deeper bench, or if you're drafting Devonta Freeman, take Brian Hill as your handcuff instead, just to be safe. Like, if if he has any kind of injury troubles throughout the season, you're going to want Brian Hill to be there, because it seems like he's going to be the one who ends up filling in that space. So he might not be useful for most of the season, but it's definitely somebody to keep your eye on in a deep bench league. Or dynasty, but like I said, that's that's real, real deep sleep. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I I completely agree with you. To be honest, I've I've liked Hill since I've you know heard his name early this off season. Uh, I've honestly never been a fan of Ito Smith. I actually just dropped him on our dynasty league, so I was tired of having him on my bench. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of see this could work out. If you remember a couple years ago when Devontae Freeman burst onto the scene, everyone thought you know. Tevin Coleman was going to be the guy and Devontae Freeman kind of came out of the gates hot and they never looked back I could see you know if Devontae Freeman unfortunately were to go down and you know we don't wish that upon any players that's not how we roll here on the in-between fantasy football podcast but if something were to happen to Freeman I could see a similar a similar trend there with Hill I think he has a little more pass catching ability and uh honestly Ido Smith just He's just a guy. He is. And he Edo Smith didn't show well. He, like he was very inconsistent when he got the chance to be the starter. Like when he was the guy for a little bit last year. He did not instill a lot of confidence. So I think the coaching staff would very much probably give Hill the first at bat should anything bad happen. Again, agreed totally that let's just hope Devonta Freeman has a great season. Um, but He's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And like I said, I personally am of the opinion that if you're picking handcuffs for your starting running back, get him instead of Ito. Yeah, absolutely. Ito Smith only averaged 3.5 yards uh, per tote last season. I don't think that gets it done in Atlanta. I don't think that's, you know, with Matt Ryan, Julio, Ridley, so many playmakers. I think they're looking for a little more explosion. I don't think Ito has it. Yeah, agreed, totally. They like the big, flashy playmakers on the ground so that they can run a more dual-threat offense, and I just don't think that a lack lackluster yards per carry is going to get them there. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anyone else you'd like to talk about, Tom? Oh, while we're on the topic of handcuffs, let's... Tony Pollard should be... Like, yes. I yes. mean, even if you're not the Zeke owner... And now, I'm very confident that they will get a deal done and that he's not going to miss... But just on the off chance, if you got the bench spot to throw out there, like if you're the last pick in the draft and you got no worries, just if the Zeke owner didn't draft him, take Tony Pollard. I'm just saying, like, it's a chance for you to sneak in what could be this year's James Conner if there's yes, any prolonged absolutely. Yeah, It's definitely something you should do. I mean, even if, like I said, if the Zeke owner is not, if they weren't paying attention enough to draft a handcuff for him, by all means, take advantage and get those free points if anything happens. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we've seen crazier things happen, and I think Tony Pollard. I mean, everything they're talking about in Dallas again. They, you know, they're obviously trying to put some pressure on Ezekiel Elliott. We know that. We know it's how the Jones roll, but I think absolutely that uh, Tony Pollard could have a, a role in this offense, a big role. He could be a top ten back if there's no Zeke. I think you need to take that upside, especially late in these drafts. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know, it's a wild pick, and if it doesn't work and Zeke's back in week one, you drop him, you pick up somebody else. But, I mean, if if it, you know, if we end up seeing, you know, nobody thought that Le'Veon Bell was going to sell out an entire season and skip all that money. So, crazy, like you said, crazier things have happened. And, you know, if Zeke does dump out, then you're the guy who, you know, gets to collect that sweet, sweet trophy at the end of the year for <laughs> smart enough to pick somebody that nobody else is paying attention to. Absolutely. Uh, one more deep rookie running back I got here for you. Justice Hill, running back for Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this is a guy, He he's a pass catcher. That's what he's known for. It's what he's been known for throughout his collegiate career. And I'm of the opinion I do not draft Ravens running backs in the first 10 rounds. I've seen it before. Justin Forsett, Ray Rice, uh, Alex Collins last year. I'm not into them at all. Uh, but I think Justice Hill could very, uh, very easily fall into that Buck Allen role. And, you know, it wasn't long ago in 2017, Buck Allen had almost 600 yards, almost 50 receptions, and six TDs. I think Justice Hill could be a nice piece there for Lamar Jackson. I totally agree with you. Justice Hill is a great later on sleeper. I also agree with you on don't draft a running back from Baltimore. Uh, last year, I was a victim of drafting <laughs> Alex Collins in like the ninth round of my league, and I ended up, you, you know, I, you know where that ended up. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it didn't sink my team, but it did not help me either. So I, but Justice Hill, I mean, that goes back to that same thing with Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson is, I mean, I love him as a quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I drafted him in Dynasty. Well, I mean, I traded for him. I traded a lot for him in Dynasty. Um, and I, I just think this year is going to be full of, you know, lots of successes, lots of growing pains. And I think that a pass catching back is going to be a really great weapon of his because, I mean, Lamar Jackson runs. He doesn't throw super deep. I mean, I know he's starting to get that ability more now, but you got a tight end who can pass catch and run routes, a running back who can pass catch and run routes, and a quarterback who people are never quite sure if he's going to run which opens up a lot of space for those short yardage pass catchers to create space that shouldn't be there to begin with. So I think that you could see the three of them form a pretty good offensive unit and have lots of points to go around there. Now, of course, that's you know it's a late-round flyer thing, so it could all blow up in our faces. Who knows? But I, Justice Hill's a great pick. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Well, Tom, thank you for joining us today on our first episode here on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. We will definitely be having you back very shortly. Enjoy that Florida weather, man. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me, too. It's great to uh, get a chance to nerd out a little and talk some fantasy football. Absolutely, man. Take care. Take care. And finally, I'd like to give a big shout out to Cook Chiropractic. If you're looking to end your pain and begin the life you deserve living, then call Cook Chiropractic today. Only steps away from campus. That's Cook Chiropractic in Indiana, PA.
And we're back on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. I'm joined by my good friend, uh, former Penn editor-in-chief and currently the marketing assistant at Tri-Rivers Multiskeletal... I don't even know how to say that, Chris, honestly. <laughs> Tri-Rivers Musculoskeletal Centers. I know musculoskeletal is like the longest word ever, but Absolutely. it's definitely a mouthful. Absolutely. Chris is joining us today from the uh, fancy part of Pittsburgh Fox Chapel up there. How about it, Chris? Super fancy. Oh, yeah. I'm just sitting here in my childhood bedroom. Yep. That's how we do it. I met Chris a couple years ago. He was uh, the editor-in-chief when I was just the call shredder a couple years ago back at the pen when I was giving some ridiculous fancy football, uh, throwing chocolate milk at your girlfriend type uh, editorials to him. (laughs) Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That is That's a throwback. So Chris is joining me today. We're going to be talking about some different values you can find late in your draft. These are going to be some players you can grab late and could pay off some uh, some good value moving forward. Chris, who you got for us today? I got a couple guys. Uh, I'll lead off with a guy who has been uh, injured for the past couple of years. He's had a couple injury-plagued seasons, uh, but he's healthy this year. He's an older guy, but... I think he's going to put up big numbers. That's Greg Olson, the Carolina Panthers tight end. Yeah, I'm going tight end first. Believe it. Uh, like I said, a couple injury plague seasons, but he's still capable capable of producing huge numbers, especially th- this year. It's kind of a weak tight end class. You have like Kelsey, Ertz, George Kittle, those guys at the top, kind of that top tier. But then after that, it's kind of like anybody's guess. Another couple guys that people – are taken pretty early, like Njoku in Cleveland and Vance McDonald here in Pittsburgh. But Greg Olson's a guy who put up numbers for a long time. He had three straight seasons of over 1,000 yards receiving in Carolina. He's got great chemistry with Cam Newton, assuming Cam's healthy. Of course, right now, as we're recording this, Cam is like questionable for week one. But I, I heard he's going to play. So uh, if, if, if he does play and if he's out there, Greg Olson's a guy you want to target. Uh, super high upside for him this year, especially in the red zone. Uh, Cam loves going to him in the end zone. He's number 23. He's the number 23 tight end in standard leagues, number 25 in PPR leagues. I think that's way too low. So if he's on the board, like for potentially like your tight end two, even take him, take him for sure. And he might be a tight end one at some point this year. Uh, if he gets back to those numbers from 2014 to 2016, he was just tremendous. So if he stays on the field, Greg Olson's a guy that you want to take for sure. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of in that group of veteran tight ends this year, the Delaney Walkers, the Jordan Reeds of the bunch, uh, who have exactly. all kind of stepped back because of injuries the last couple years. But, yeah, if I didn't have one of those top tight ends, the Kittles, the Ertz, the Kelseys of the world, I would definitely grab grab Greg Olson late. He could definitely pay off some value. And, you know, if you have him for the first two weeks and he doesn't, do what you want to do you can simply cut him and move on and you don't feel like you spent a lot of capital on him exactly he's a great like late round guy and that's all about what the segment is just late round value guys for me greg olson's like perfect because honestly at the end of the day i've had those teams last year i hit on my first five picks you know todd Gurley, juju brandon cooks uh tariq cohen you name it like adam thielen but what i struggled with is like later in the draft i just I yep. missed on those value guys, the Tyler Lockett's of the world. So, absolutely. Great pick there, Chris. Who else you got for us today? Uh, 
my second guy like might not be like as much of a guy you take late uh, in your draft, but he's a guy who I think is kind of being forgotten about um, in terms of like running backs this year. He's on a new team. That's Mark Ingram, uh, the Baltimore Ravens running back. Um, like I said, he's, he's probably going to go like pretty early in your drafts. He's not going to go like in the second half of your draft. He's a running back who's going to be a starter, but uh, he's not in New Orleans anymore. And Alvin Kamara has taken that sole mantle now in New Orleans. And Mark Ingram on a new team, a run-heavy scheme like Baltimore under uh, John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, who's uh, the young quarterback there now. They've completely revamped their whole entire scheme. And it seems like they're going to go like maybe like a running back by committee with him and Gus Edwards and uh, the rookie Justice Hill. But I wouldn't put too much stock into Edwards, and Hill's still young. Like He might get more carries as the season goes on. But Ingram's a guy who has been doing this for almost a decade now. Uh, not really the best like pass catcher, but I, I read before I came on that they might use him on passing down. So he might get some more looks, uh, catching balls out of the backfield too, which gives you even more value. Um, yeah, like I said, those probably those top 10, 15 backs like coming off your board early, those guys will be gone. And you're looking for maybe a, a running back two or a high-end running back three. You're going to take Mark Ingram. His average draft position is like in the mid 40s right now, which to me is again like lower than I think it should be in my mind. And the the best thing about Ingram is he's he's going to score touchdowns for you, and that's where a lot of your points are going to come from. Obviously, if you've been playing fantasy for a long time, you know how important touchdowns are. I'm not going to have to explain that to you. But uh, Mark Ingram finds pay dirt. He has his entire career, so I'm going to take Mark Ingram as my second guy here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Mark Ingram, Chris. He has been talked on or talked about in two of these segments on this show so far today. <laughs> uh, he's currently his ADP in ESP, ESPN PPR formats. Uh, he's going as RB twenty one at pick forty four. So believe it or not, Chris, uh, in my start and sit column, I actually had uh, actually had Mark Ingram as a sit for me this season. Uh, I, I get everything you're saying. He finds Pater, and like honestly, that is an attractive thing. We've seen him catch some passes before back in the day with Kamara and the gang down in New Orleans there. But uh, for me, it's too high of a draft capital for a Ravens RB. Uh, Tom talked about it as well last segment. Uh, he kind of got duped last year by Alex Collins. I've, I've, seen this, I've seen this game before, Chris. You know, the Ray Rice, <laughs> the Alex Collins... The Justin Forsett, you draft a Ravens RB high, you oh, get wow. you get burned. A Gus Edwards, an Alex Collins, a Justin Forsett pops up halfway through the year, and you're like, oh wow, this could be really good. You draft him, they stink the next year, and then. But for me, man, we, we I like Justice Hill. I like Justice Hill. I I'm not a Gus Edwards fan, but you can't ignore too. He was putting up some points at the end of the year. You can't. I I don't think he was. Just, he was. I can't. That's true. I can't think they're just gonna say, "All right, you were a stud last season." At the end, we're, we can't just abandon you. Well, for me, it's about two things. It's about the fact that Ingram, like you mentioned, Forsett, Collins, um, Gus Edwards, those guys, those guys weren't really proven commodities. And for me, Mark Ingram is a proven guy. He's like I said, he's been in the league for like, this is the ninth or tenth year. He's had great seasons with, seasons with the Saints. Uh, I know it's a new team. And to my other point, it's it's a whole new scheme this year. Like they implemented it like mid season with 
when Flacco got hurt and then Jackson came in and they kind of had to adapt it on the fly. And like now, like they have the first full season with this offense. It's going to be, I think, like almost exclusively like running the football. I mean, they they drafted uh, Boykin, the receiver, and Hollywood Brown, but I'm not really buying into Lamar Jackson as a passer yet until I see it. So for me, it's going to be running the ball. And the, the top guy is Ingram, and I feel like people are sleeping on him. So that, that that's that's my thought process. But I, I can certainly understand what you're saying about guys who have been in Baltimore in the past and haven't really produced really since Ray Rice, like you said. So I, I, I can see both sides of it, but I still like Ingram this year. He's definitely a value if he pays off, I feel like, late in the game here. Uh, you know, you, you could get a, a top 10 RB, you know, I pick I pick forty four there. It's definitely a ballsy gamble. It's one I will not make, but I appreciate the input there. Who else you got for us here, Chris? And then my other guy who we talked before I came on, who apparently other people have mentioned too, but I'm gonna just throw my hat in the ring, and that is uh, Geronimo, Geronimo Allison, the Packers wide receiver too. It looks like this year. We all know that the top receiver for the Packers and maybe the top receiver in your fantasy draft is Devontae Adams, which I disagree with that, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not high on Devontae. I mean, like he's going to be great, but I'm not, I'm not really high on green Bay this year as a team, but we're talking fantasy. So that's a different, different ball game. <laughs> but anyway, Geronimo Allison is going to be most likely the Packers second receiver this year, unless uh, Valdez Scantling really surprises people. But, Allison has been in the system for a couple of years. I mean, they have a new head coach with Matt LaFleur and that's going to be a whole new offensive scheme, kind of like in Baltimore, except way different. Um, they got to utilize Aaron Rodgers' skill set late in his career. Uh, Randall Cobb is gone there now. He's in Dallas. Um, I mean, Jordy Nelson's been gone for a while now. I think he retired, but um, so besides Adams, like your options are really Allison or Valdez Scantling, and I think you can, you can't really go wrong with either one. But to me, uh, Adams is, or sorry, Allison is a good value here. Like I said, new offense, no Randall Cobb, not much wide receiver depth. I saw um, on Sleeper, he's the number, he's the ranked 101st wide receiver in PPR leagues, which I almost like spit out my drink when I saw that, because I think he's going to be way better than that this year. I think he has legit like wide receiver too, like upside if he actually performs to his potential and Rodgers gets him the football, which I think he will because I think Adams could be double covered a lot of the time. So yeah, Geronimo Allison, a guy who is a sleeper and also a good value pick for me. Yeah, uh, Geronimo, he is currently ranked at, uh, he's, he's going at ADP of 108 in ESPN PPR leagues, and he's currently ranked at wide receiver 49 in the same format. Uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked Tom. Is it purely you like Geronimo better than MVS because uh, be, because Aaron Rodgers has a history with the slot receivers going back to Jordy Nelson, going back to James Jones, Randall Cobb, you know, all the way back? Is that why you see... Geronimo as a better pick or is it the third year receiver to the second I mean I, I think it's kind of both but now that you mentioned the fact that he's a slot guy which I knew that going in but I just forgot to mention it the fact that he is going to be in the slot I think that is a, a big a big perk for him getting the ball this year 
Um, and then, like I said, Adams being double covered a lot of the time. And I mean, like I think MVS is going to have a good year too, but he's still like he's like you said, he, he's a year younger, and um, there's just a little more chemistry with Rogers and Allison right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask me, like two months from now, I could say like, wow, like I mean, I was dead wrong because MVS is having a great year, and it doesn't really matter how many years a guy has. But I think as we head into the season, and we don't really know who's going to get the lion's share of the targets besides Devontae Adams. I think like the safer pick right now for in terms of value is Geronimo Allison. Yeah, I would definitely say maybe a little safer there as well. Um, my only counterpoint, I'll just throw back at you. We don't really have to dive into it too much. Tom and I got into it a little, a little bit more. But uh, Geronimo, he has a little bit of an injury history more than MVS. So that kind of, to me, shifts shifts yeah. my if they're both on the board top of the board right there i'm taking nvs over geronimo but everything you mentioned especially when you think of it you know he has had one more year to gel with rogers kind of does make you want to take geronimo a little more i'm starting to you're starting to convince me a little more chris <laughs> i'm 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 proud that i can actually convince you to to think otherwise here yeah, i i definitely did my job all right now i got one for you chris Okay. All right. Kiki Kuti, second year wide out Ooh. from the Texans. What do you think? I like that one. I didn't even think about that until right now. But so uh Kuti, Make your case. Let's go. All right. So in six games last year, he averaged six point eight targets per game. I you know, I know the injury concern is there. He took a big hit early this preseason, so obviously I get that. I'm someone who normally strays away from injury concerns, but when you have Will Fuller as the number two, who's one of the biggest injury concerns in history, I love Cootie. I think, you know, I think this guy is special. I think when you watch him opposed to Will Fuller, who's just going deep, I, I don't know. I, I know the ankle, in, ankle injury is there right now, but I, I still like him. I think he's a value late. Like, if you're not in a PPR league, don't don't draft him. I don't think he's going to be who I think he is. But 41 targets in six games, Chris, 28 receptions in six games. I like that. I like that. He was gelling with he was gelling with Watson early, and I just think he's the better player than Will Fuller. Yeah, I think like when he's on the field, if when he's healthy, he's going to put up some good numbers. And especially like you said with Will Fuller, like he's a huge question mark. He's healthy right now, but I mean, like he gets hurt seems like every year, and he had a really bad injury last year to his leg. So, if he's off the field again, then Kuti becomes the number two guy, and he's going to be right there with some of the best like wide receiver two guys you can have beside beside a uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the field with him. And then also, I heard Lamar Miller's out for the year now. They're running back, so you'd think that the Texans might try to throw the ball even more than they were going to in the first place with Watson. And obviously we know Watson and Hopkins have one of the best connections in football, but besides him, there's not really much there, uh, especially if Fuller's out. And if he if, he, if, he, if he's in too, then Cootie's a guy you can put in like in the slot. So I think Cootie's a great pick by you. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's interesting. Last, last year he had a couple games where he actually out-targeted DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know how that happens. I don't know why that happens, but... I'm intrigued. That's pretty crazy. I'm intrigued. Another guy on the Texans I got for you. What do you think about the Duke of Lansbury, Duke Johnson over there? Well, that's a good one. I mean, like I said, because Lamar Miller is going to be out. Um, like I've heard rumors that they were 
thinking about signing Jay Ajayi. I don't know if that happened yet or not, but um, but yeah, like that that backfield is pretty much empty now. So I think Duke Johnson is going to get a lot of a lot of action, and he's a PPR god. So if he's going to be playing all the time, then you're going to put him in. But I want to hear your thoughts on him too. All right, all right. So the Duke and me go way back. We go back to the 2017 <laughs> season of old. That was by far his best season so far. So I know the attempts aren't there. I know last year we only had 40 attempts. Going back, the most attempts he ever had in a season was 2015, his rookie season with 104. But he he had 74 receptions for almost 700 yards in 2017. That's what I like. And I know Deshaun Watson isn't known to throw to the RB. He hasn't done that before, but neither was Cam Newton until he got McCaffrey. I think when you get someone like this, especially at the value they got him, and I think Duke Johnson is motivated. I, you know, one, there's two parts of fantasy football that go into a player's value. One is talent, and two is just their opportunity. And I think Duke has a mixture of both of that. And he's got a chip on his shoulder now. He wants to prove Cleveland wrong. He wants to prove him wrong yep. for drafting Chubb, for signing Hunt. And I like those players with the chip on my sh- chip on their shoulder, just like how I like OBJ this year. I couldn't agree more. I think you made a great point there, especially with the whole chip on his shoulder thing with Cleveland. Uh, that didn't end well with him, like you said, being kind of pushed out, got called out by Baker Mayfield, and now he's in – Houston and has a great opportunity and like you said talent opportunity Duke Johnson is right in the middle of both of those and he's gonna he should at least if he's healthy put up uh, numbers this year no matter what and I also like the point you said about Cam and McCaffrey like Cam didn't throw to running backs until McCaffrey was there Mm -hmm. that's a great point and now that Deshaun Watson has a weapon like that behind him I think he's gonna give him the ball too so I like it Duke is currently going as RB30 at ADP of 64 right now in PPR ESPN leagues. To me, though, I feel like if you want Duke, you might even have to pay up for him a little bit because I know people in my league are already hyping him up. So that's the one thing. You might be spending in even a 12-team league a fourth or a fifth round pick maybe at this point. Yep, I actually had a chance. A kid in my one league tried to trade Duke to me. Like This is before Lamar Miller got hurt. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm not really too high on Duke right now. I didn't take it, and now I feel dumb because Duke's going to have a great year, and I'm going to be, be missing out. I'm going to be, be watching him uh, perform every week, and I'm going to be shedding a tear probably. So, What was the trade, Chris? What was the offer? Uh, I think it was Duke and, like, a late-round draft pick for either DJ Moore or Tyler Boyd or something like that. And I, I think it was DJ Moore. Who like I, I had a plethora of receivers at the time and I, I didn't do it. I eventually gave him DJ Moore for like Peyton Barber and Yeah, that, pick, which, that was which, an awful. which looks really bad. Yeah, that was <laughs> not my best trade. I made a lot of bad trades in a couple of years and that was not my best moment. So Chris, we will not come with to back to you for trade advice this season. Uh maybe some <laughs> starts and sits from you. Definitely some long term player values, man. I do you got anyone else for us? A couple, maybe a couple rapid fires here. Yeah, I'm just gonna give out a couple names. I'm not really gonna go into much detail as far as stats. These are some guys that have I've either had myself in leagues in the past, or I just looked up real quick and I saw that they have a good chance of being a good value. 
Uh, Tevin Coleman, I had him last year. I have him this year, actually. It's, it's a dynasty league. I still have him. Um, he went from Atlanta to San Francisco this year, and I just found out that Jarek McKinnon, who was going to be the Niners starter, had another setback, so he, he might be out into the regular season. And that leaves Tevin Coleman with even more touches. And nobody's talking about him either, it seems like. Uh, I feel like the Niners are kind of like a forgotten team this year, and that that same goes for fantasy. So keep an eye out for Tevin Coleman, who's going to get the lion's share of touches and possibly receptions too with him and Matt Breida in San Francisco. Uh, I also have D.D. Westbrook. Uh, not many people talking about D.D. Westbrook. Good value pick in mid to late rounds, I think. He could be the top target in Jacksonville this year. Uh, with, of course, Nick Foles there now. Bortles out of the picture. Foles is in. Um, I think, and they've shown a good rapport in the preseason too. Foles and D.D. Westbrook. I saw he just threw him a touchdown pass last week. I love D.D. So, I love D.D. Yeah, he's a he's a great pick. He could be uh, a he sleep. could be a PPR monster, honestly. Yeah, I I, I, have, a, I have him in my dynasty league, and that's kind of why I felt comfortable trading a guy like D.J. Moore because I have some more depth there with a guy like D.D. Westbrook. And yeah. then lastly, um, people love to rip on this guy and i know tom tom loves him tom took him in a draft last night that i was in with him josh allen uh bill's quarterback uh we all know that valuing quarterbacks who also run the ball like a guy like lamar jackson a guy like cam newton uh back in his like 2015 mvp super bowl year he was a fantasy god that year and i'm not saying josh allen's gonna be a fantasy god because he's not but he could be a good uh a really good backup quarterback and a guy who can put in some spot starts for you just because he can run the ball and he, can, he has a cannon for an arm too so he might be throwing those 70 yard touchdown passes to john brown this year so keep an eye on josh allen too yeah i couldn't agree more i mean he's going at something i think ridiculous like qb 24 i think is what it is right now and you can't tell me that you rather have qb 22 Derek Carr is going before him. That is absurd. Yeah, that, that, that's not right at all. So I disagree with that. Yeah, definitely look out for Josh Allen this season. And keep an eye out for Chris on the Twitter sphere. He's very active. He's a good follow. Definitely give him a follow at Chris underscore Hayes 8. And I think that's going to be all for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Thank you for joining us, listeners. And... Yeah, let's keep it in between here, folks. Thanks for having me, man. Um, I'm be, I'd be happy to come back on whenever you need me to or want me to. I love fantasy. Been doing it for a long time to mix success, but I still love it. So um, be happy to come back on whenever. Thank you so much, man. Mm-hmm.